You're listening to Decidedly Dry. I'm your host, Jess Steitzer. This is a sober podcast where we actually focus on the good. Amazing, right? We spark inspiration. We try to provide some hope and we help motivate you. I promise to always keep it real, provide some dry humor, and remind you every single episode why sobriety is truly a superpower. If you'd like to learn more about the show or make a donation, just head on over to decidedlydry.com. Thank you so much for pushing play today. Let's get started. Welcome back, listeners, friends, sober curious, sober, and my mom. So incredibly happy to have you all here today. Okay, so this intro today is not going to be terribly long. Now, it's not because I couldn't talk about this person for probably close to four hours. It is simply because I am incredibly proud and honored and really, really just want you to get to the good stuff. So today's interview is with the one and only Trisha Lewis. Trisha was the host of the podcast Recovery Happy Hour. She recorded and published over, gosh, I think 130 episodes. She's had dozens and dozens of meaningful conversations that remind us that sobriety is worth celebrating and that life does not, I repeat, does not stop when you stop drinking. Trisha herself stopped drinking in November of 2016 And on her podcast, she features a wide range of stories and perspectives. Now, I, along with thousands, I'm sure, were heartbroken last year when our beloved Trisha ended her show. I mean, I remember listening to that last episode over and over again, thinking to myself, no, 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 no. Maybe I heard it wrong. She can't really be done. I I felt this way because her podcast changed my life. Her show provided me with hope, it inspired me, and it reminded me every week that we're not alone in this. There's nothing wrong with us. This is just our thing. And what I loved most about her show was that it really focused on the good, kind of like what we've got going on here. When Trisha agreed to be on the show, I literally felt like I was on cloud nine. I'm not joking. She's been my role model since day one, and I will forever be grateful for the impact that she's had on my life. So here's Trisha. Hello, everybody. I have a special treat for you today. This is Jess with Decidedly Dry, and today I have Trisha Lewis. Hi, Trisha. Hello. It is so, so awesome to have you here. Thank you in advance. You're so welcome. Thanks for having me. I know we've been trying to do this for a long time. Uh, I'm I'm honored and I'm excited <laughs> and a little nervous. I think my palms are a little sweaty. <laughs> hey, hey, we're we've just we've swapped places. That's all. You know how to do this. I know, right? In fact, this is so silly, but I feel like have you seen Sing Two? Not yet. Okay. Well, it's all about this, like. Well, it's all the animals. It's an animated movie. You know, right. I'm a mom. Oh, but, I um, saw I saw Sing One, the first oh, one. It's amazing. Well, sing, sing, yeah. <laughs> but the but whole I, reason I bring it up is they go to find this amazing artist who I'm pretty sure is played by uh, the Bono, but it's this artist that no one has seen in a while and they want to bring back. And that's how I feel. I'm like, oh, I am bringing <laughs> the Bono of podcasts back. <laughs> <laughs> no pressure. <laughs> so there you go. 
I was not expecting that intro. That's awesome. Yeah, right? Oh, that's awesome. I so, can't wait to tell my husband that. <laughs> I don't know. It just kind of came to me. But um, <laughs> thank you. I'm I'm seriously honored to have you here. And I selfishly am so excited to just hear some of your story and hear what's been going on and just kind of dive into some really fun things and and probably honestly questions that some of your listeners might might still have. Oh, that's, okay, cool. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good way of putting that. Yeah. Let's do it. Let's get rolling. Well, for those of you that uh, are listening and don't know Trisha, Trisha, I'd love for you to just give kind of an intro. You know how this rolls. It's been a while, I know, but tell listeners who you are and what you like to do, how long you've been sober, all that good stuff. Sure. So my name is Trisha Lewis. Uh, I'm 41 and I live in Dallas, Texas. Uh, I quit drinking November 14th of 2016. Uh, that would put me at about a little over five and a half years. And uh, currently I'm the chief of staff at a uh, restaurant group, corporate level of a restaurant group. And in my free time, um, when I'm not sick with COVID and when I'm not recovering from hip surgery, which both are happening currently, uh, I love to go outside and be in nature, walk my dog a lot, Pilates, crafting, puzzles, um, you know, just, I don't know, your average non-drinky stuff. Um, I think that's kind of who I am right now. That's awesome. <laughs> sorry, I just like, sorry, y'all are dealing with COVID brain too, so bear with me. <laughs> it is all good, all good. No, I think that's a beautiful intro. And, you know, the one thing I didn't mention yet, and the one thing you didn't mention was, um, you were the host of recovery happy hour, which oh, was yeah. a podcast. <laughs> and I know that's not, but that's not part of your, for, part of who you are right now. It's I true. So no, no, that's, that's true. Okay. No, that's true. Um, I hosted a, uh, I founded and produced and, and hosted a, uh, recovery podcast from 2018 to 2021 called recovery happy hour. And, um, I feel like I passed the torch to you. Uh, you know, you're so great at focusing on the good, you know, and the fun side of drinking, which is why I started it, um, in 2018 was because there, there were, there were a few great recovery podcasts at the time, but a lot of them were about the long, like all the drink, the drunk stories. And I was like, okay, that that's great. But like, I'm past that now. So what's next? What are we going to focus on next? So I, I found that hole in podcasts and created my own. And uh, it was very, very fulfilling for three years. It's a lot of work, uh, kept me in a lot of service and um, happy I did it. And I'm, and I'm happy I stopped when I did. Yeah. Oh, well, I'm totally going to want to dive into that a little bit more in a bit, but mm -hmm. I guess let's keep it more right now, kind of on your history with alcohol, if you don't mind sharing and just include whatever you want. But when did you start? When did you quit? We know how long you've been sober, but kind of give us, give us that part of your story. Sure. Uh, so uh, I think I said I'm 41. So I was in my teens in the nineties and uh, you know, um, I grew up in on the outside, what would look like a very average home, uh, you know, two kids, two parents had been married for a long time, lived in the suburbs. Um, but addiction was also a big part of my family uh, and alcoholism specifically. And then someone very, very close to me with drugs and alcohol. So I grew up uh, just that was just always a thing around me. And I and I and I was always witnessing what it did to 
people around that person who was struggling with that substance. And in my family system, uh, as as the family member of somebody who just caused complete chaos all the time with their with their drug and alcohol abuse, my coping mechanism was to be as perfect as possible and to achieve, achieve, achieve. How can I be the peacemaker? How can I be make myself as small as possible so that I can just blend in and go under the radar and I don't ever have to make anyone worry about me because I was always worried about that person. So that I just sort of took up that role as my own for my whole life and um, always, you know, had had anxiety as a child and just kind of was a, a tightly wound ball of nerves, I would say, for most of my life. Still am. <laughs> that is <laughs> that got away. <laughs> that's a forever work in progress. Um, so the first time I drank, though, I was 16 and I drank for all the wrong reasons. Uh, I had my first love had dumped me and I was heartbroken. And I know that he was uh, he didn't like alcohol. He didn't like it when his friends drank. So I wanted to make him mad and get back at him. So I went and got wasted. And but I drank at 16 because I didn't want to feel my feelings. I was heartbroken. It wasn't like I was having a wine cooler at a party. Like I first experienced drinking alcohol, I swear three shots of whiskey in a row on an empty stomach because I was heartbroken. Hmm. And that's, that's what my drinking was like for the next 20 years, because drinking worked for me. I was so used to having control over everything around me, or at least I thought I had control over everything around me. I felt like I could control uh, the way that people perceived me. Um, I, that was so it just control needing control is such a big part of this for me and uh i continued to achieve and do really well in school i was a successful chef at a young age i traveled all over the country and um and worked you know in the restaurant industry you work insane hours and you wear a badge of honor that you drink a lot after work and that it was just rinse, right? You know, rinse, what's what's the phrase? Rinse, cycle, repeat. Uh, rinse. Uh, edit this part out. <laughs> <laughs> rinse, repeat. Rinse, yeah. repeat. It was just, it was just rinse, repeat forever. Yeah. So, um, let's see. In, I, I, you know, I was a blackout drinker, and it wasn't like I wanted to drink to blackout. It just happened all the time without me knowing it. It was just like this really weird mean magic trick that your brain can can put on you and um so I would wake up the next day not remembering a lot of what I did the night before and I was terribly ashamed of that and I rather than admit to my friends that I had blacked out I would just kind of pretend like I was going along with it that I knew what was happening and it's weird because you know my friends always kind of laugh about what had happened to them the night before just the funny things that we got ourselves into but it it stopped being funny for me. Mm-hmm. It started to feel scary pretty early. I'd say probably in my early 20s was when it it just I realized that this thing was uh was was tricky. It was sneakier than I thought it should be. And everyone else around me seemed to didn't seem to have the same feelings about alcohol that I did. So um let's see, in my early 30s, I owned a business. Um, I was married. I was still drinking a lot, but on the outside, you know, I was going to CrossFit and drinking green juices and, and, um, you know, kept up the appearance of work hard, play hard. And in, let's see, my, my ex-husband, I found out he had had a couple of affairs. 
one in a day, my whole life changed. And, um, and I knew that that was going to be next to impossible to get through. And the only thing that I knew as a coping skill was to drink. Right. And that's when it got really bad. I'd say that last year when I was uh, 34, 35, um, I depended on alcohol. It wasn't, I was just admitting to myself that I need this thing now. Um, I need it to numb the pain of divorce. I need it to numb anxiety. I need it to feel something good, you know, that temporary dopamine hit that you get. And uh, it just became bigger than I was. And in the last few months, it was, you know, the same thing. It was like, I was blacking out every night, but I was trying to not get drunk. It was to right. the point where I was going out and being like, you know, I'm just going to have I'm going to have one glass of wine and I'm going to drink water. And I would come home the next day. I mean, I'd wake up the next day from a blackout, not having any idea. And it's like, what the hell? Like, I don't even want to get drunk. And this is still happening. It's like, there's a switch that would turn on as soon as I had one. And I just never knew what was going to happen. Mm -hmm. And it was creating more anxiety than anything else. Um, the last weekend I drank, it was about three days of that. It was just get up, you know, go do some seemingly normal Instagram worthy day drinking and continue into the night, go crazy, forget all of it, wake up the next day, feel so sick. It's not even a hangover anymore at that point. It's just, it's detox. Mm -hmm. And I was uh, drinking in the morning because I didn't know anything else that would help me feel better because these weren't hangovers. These were just, it was, it was full on illness. And, um, the Monday, the last Monday that I woke up with a hangover, um, it stretched on for about three days and turns out that was physical withdrawal. I, I stopped drinking for three days. For the first time I went a whole day without drinking and I felt worse the next day, felt like the <laughs> flu. And then I kept, you know, I, I went another day without drinking and I felt worse. And I don't recommend this, by the way, if you were a daily drinker and you're considering stopping, please talk to your doctor first uh, because uh, just going cold turkey can kill you. Uh, that's the reality of alcohol. And that's one of the things that, that people don't tell you that you right. will, you can die from this. You can die from drinking too much of it. You can certainly die from stopping all of a sudden uh, if your body's used to it. So after three days, I, I started to feel better. And on day four, I was like, well, maybe there's a recovery podcast out there or something. Like I, I didn't know what I wanted to do yet. Mm -hmm. I just knew that something felt different this time. And, uh, and I wanted to change it. And that's when uh, I started to explore what the world of not drinking would be yeah. like for me. And that was, uh, yeah, that was November 14th of 2016. Oh my gosh. Wow. So many things. Um, the restaurant, that industry, <laughs> I, I worked in that industry for 15 years. So when you were talking about that, I was like, yep, just kind of shaking my head because that was the norm there too. I mean, oh, yeah. you were proudly. professional drinkers and proudly, proudly. what a shame or how embarrassing it was if you couldn't come to your shift in the morning, like, Oh, newbie can't hang. Yeah. <laughs> you know? exactly. It was, it was all about, you You know, being able to hang with everybody and the mm -hmm. toughness of it and that self-punishment that for some reason just feels important. Like we mm -hmm. just have to do it. It's so dumb. So dumb. Um, <laughs> So I was just so connecting to all that you said there because I lived that too. And it was interesting when you started talking about when you got to the point where it just wasn't fun anymore. 
it doesn't it was, really feel great to feel like shit every day. <laughs> like, no, and, and it's weird because it, the drinking, I, the, the last three months, I remember so vividly because uh, I had moved. And so I was living by myself for the first time in a long time. So I didn't have anyone to take care of me anymore. I didn't have a husband. I was just me and my dog. I lived, you know, in an apartment. So I had stairs to walk down, you know, when I was drinking and I, I was, I was, I was waking up with bruises all over me, no idea where they came from. And it was just like, what is happening? Like, this is, this could kill me. Like it was, and then I would, I would drink. I would, I mean, a, a serving of wine is no longer a glass or two. A bottle yeah. is a serving of wine. And then, then, then that's not enough. Then it's two bottles or it's three martinis after that. And I was noticing that then I wasn't even feeling drunk. I was just feeling anxious mm-hmm. and irritable and mad that I right. wasn't drunk enough because it stopped working. And, right. uh, and that's not what you're looking for. You know, it's like you go to this thing for some relief and it was just causing more problems. Yeah. And, uh, I wish, I wish that I had just told one person while I was going through it because I was so ashamed. I kept it so hidden because I was, I was obsessed with what people thought about me and mm-hmm. I didn't want them to worry about me. I didn't want them to think I was anything less than perfect. And I look back and I'm just, I feel so sad for that girl because she was so full of shame and she gave herself no grace mm-hmm. because we're not taught how to quit drinking. We're most of us are not taught coping mechanisms, how to feel our feelings. So then when we've become addicted to this thing, or we've be, or if you don't want to use that word, if you've just become dependent on this thing or you're leaning on it too much, like what else works? You don't right. know anything else. So of course you keep going back to this thing. So right. I just, I, I just want to push that first and foremost for anybody that's listening and you're in that cycle that I'm just talking about, give yourself some grace because nobody knows how to do this until they learn how to do it. Yeah. Yeah. A hundred percent. And you know, it's interesting now that I'm, I don't want to say on the other side, but now that I consider myself alcohol free, I look back if there were instances in my life where you know, I mentioned something casually because it's interesting to me to look back at that old girl, like you said, you know, and for me, I remember instances where I would casually tell my running buddy, I've gone a week without drinking. So I would point out instances where I had removed it and I was really proud. And now looking at it, I'm like, gosh, that is really fascinating to me because I wonder if part of me, like my gut or something in me was like, tell someone, like talk to someone hear them say, wow, that's really cool, you know, to, Mm -hmm. to recognize, you know, and maybe encourage me to keep going. And then I'd always fall back, you know, so it's interesting. And and sometimes you do that and you're, and, and I, and this was me, uh, sometimes I would do that because I needed the validation that my drinking wasn't that bad, but I was around drinkers all the time. So I'm asking the wrong people if my drinking is normal. And which is weird sometimes too, when you quit drinking and those people don't want to talk to you anymore, they don't want to hang out with you. (laughs) They had nothing to do with you. That has to do with them and their own drinking because they're going, oh shit, that person drank like I did. What does that say about me? Right. And that's a big part of of recovery is learning that most people just aren't thinking about you. They're thinking about themselves. Right. (laughs) Wait, are you saying our circles might change in society? Uh, They might. And it's it's glorious. Circles are, yeah. Fantastic. (laughs) Circles are rubber bands, by the way. You know, they can expand, they can shrink back and uh, none of it's good or bad. It's just different. Different, different. Oh, well, thank you for sharing all that. It was really cool to hear your story. And just, again, all the similarities that we can always find in someone's story. That's why I love 
love, love, love hearing people's stories. So thank you. Mm -hmm. Um, so you quit, you removed it and you started kind of exploring this sober world. I mean, Mm -hmm. is, and, and so did you listen to any podcasts when you quit? I did. I did. So I started here's how it started. Um, that Thursday, when I listened to a podcast called Recovery Elevator, and I heard a story of a woman that sounded a lot like me, and it woke me wide up, like it broke me open. I was, I had no idea that there were other people in the world that struggled with alcohol, that were really good at making it look like they were fine, that didn't appear you know, to be that stigma that most of us buy into, that trope that we all buy into growing up. And it broke me wide open. And I was like, holy shit, I'm not alone. And I did, I listened to that woman's story and I did what she did. I was like, well, let's, let's, let's try this. So she went to AA. So I went to my first AA meeting and I went just for research. So I I was like, you know what, Trisha, this is just data. Let's just go listen and see what that feels like. Um, how I got to that meeting is actually a long story that I won't tell here, but you can hear on the recovery elevator podcast where I accidentally ended up in an HOA meeting first. And then they had someone had to, <laughs> somebody had to escort me into a different building uh, where the meeting was in the basement. You know, it's like, why are we yeah. talking about shrubs? No, I know. I know. You know. It's just like, why is everybody wearing Chanel? This is weird. <laughs> you guys are rich alcoholics. So, um, so I went to a meeting and, um, again, was just so relieved to learn that there were other people just like me. And, uh, and I was down for it. Like, I was Mm -hmm. like, okay, I'm in. Like, if you guys, if you guys feel like this, then let's, let's check this out. So I started going to AA meetings um, and doing 12 step recovery, not just the meetings, like I did the step work too. And, um, but I was also listening to podcasts all the time in the morning I would get up and I just didn't know what to do with myself. I would walk my dog forever and listen to podcasts. I would listen to podcasts in my car. I would listen to them when I was at work, these stories of other people that sounded like me were just feeding me so much and taking me out of this dark hole of, of isolation that I was in. And, and then I just started trying everything. You know, I, I joined a Facebook group uh, that was like an accountability group. And that was great because I was meeting people all over the country, all over the world, and everybody was online all the time. So you could, you know, if you're half struggling in the middle of the night, you could get on and talk to somebody and you weren't alone. Um, I started, I got back in therapy. I started journaling. Um, like I said, I did, you know, the step work with my sponsor. Um, if somebody recommended it, I tried it. Doesn't mean it always stuck. And it doesn't mean that I kept doing it. Cause that's that's the thing is that when you when you start this process, the way that you do your recovery in the beginning is not how it's always gonna be. You know, it's like triage at mm-hmm. first, and you're just trying to stop the bleeding. And later on, your recovery will change. And it's good. It's a good thing that it does because we change so much and how we, how we take in information changes, how we react to things, you know, to things change. So um, I loved that getting to add new tools, take some away. Um, It was a really exciting process. And it felt like I had so much autonomy over it. Um, There are some other sides to that that were frustrating because uh, there are some people that are very protective of their style of recovery. And if it's different than yours, um, you know, some people get very defensive of that and they, you know, feel like you should be doing it a certain way. And that's something that everybody will go through as they go through this process is other people trying to tell you that you need to do it their way. You know, do whatever works. 
maybe that's podcasts, maybe it's church, maybe it's yoga, uh, it, maybe it's a meditation, maybe it is 12 step. Try it all and figure out what feels the best, but know what's working for you. And if anyone else gives you a hard time, just, you know, don't give them the middle finger, but with your hands, but maybe in your mind. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> like, it's okay to tell somebody like, thanks, but no thanks. Yeah. So yeah, learn, learning that was hard too. learning, learning to stop needing to please other people was mm -hmm. such a big part of my story. So I was so, uh, I thought I was going to be able to do recovery perfectly and you mm -hmm. can't, it's impossible. Mm -hmm. So every other person that you're identifying with what I'm saying, y'all get ready to fuck <laughs> up because you will mess up. You will piss people off. You will piss yourself off. You will mm -hmm. break rules. You will create new rules for yourself. It's all part of the process and just lean on in to the messiness. Yeah. It's the beauty. It's the beauty mm -hmm. part. You know, you got, I mean, you, you have to learn how to feel your feelings, you know, exactly. that was comfortable, but it is. it's hard you come out stronger and you deal with some shit that you just didn't even know was hidden away, you know, it's and so true. I feel like sobriety, if it's given me anything, I mean, it's empowerment. It's, it's, it's just getting to a point where, okay, if I can do this, I can work on that, you know, right. and just taking it one step at a, at a time. Yeah. And it's not even about the alcohol. And that's, mm -hmm. that's the fun part. When you get to that point where you go, oh, this isn't because I have, I have a drinking problem. This is because I have other problems deep inside of me that have never been addressed right. that I was drinking to cover up and to not feel once I deal with those problems, then the need to drink over things starts to go away. Right. So it's not about the alcohol as much as we, we need to, as much as we need to focus on the alcohol at first, eventually it switches over. And, and that it, it's, it's so freeing when you mm -hmm. realize that, you know, it's because alcohol is going to be around, it's going right. to be around us. We're never, it's never going to go away. Mm -mm. You know, maybe in the state of Texas where they, make everything illegal. I don't, maybe here where I live, it will be someday. I doubt it, but, uh, <laughs> well, and I think that process can be frustrating because for so long, you know, I think we get a like point at alcohol, like, Oh, that was the problem. That was it. You know, I'm going to blame that, you know, we point the finger. And then when you get to that point where you're like, Oh, <laughs> wait, I was oh, wait, it's trying me. to use that. It's actually me. <laughs> yeah. Dang it. <laughs> I know. Well, and it's funny. Cause you can say that in two ways. It's like, Oh, I'm the problem. Or you can go, Oh, I'm the problem. Uh, it's like, me. Yeah. Oh, it's just me. Oh, oh, I just have, I, I just have like these things I need to work on. Exactly. It's, it's, I don't know. You know, you can always, you can, if you're ever like learning that stuff as you go through recovery and you're just like, Ugh, damn it. Just man, <laughs> switch that, change that narrative. <laughs> However, you need to change the sound of your voice saying that sentence or whatever to right. make it make sense and make it excited, you know, make it exciting for you. Just do it. Like, just you know, it. sometimes you need to gaslight the shit out of yourself. To... Out of yourself. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. <laughs> oh, so you did all the things. I mean, mm -hmm. your toolbox was overflowing for a while. And like you mm -hmm. said, always changing too. Mm -hmm. But when, when did you start your own podcast? Like you were listening to them and you kind of, I mean, you mentioned that in the intro where you kind of felt like, oh, I just think we're missing something. There's this little hole. So how did you come upon that? Yeah, I, uh, so I was about a year, a little over a year sober when I started thinking about it. And I was about a year and a half when I published it and again, I just, I wanted to interview P 
people that had at least a year of recovery under their belt so that I had enough stuff to talk about because everybody has the drunk story, but I need, I want the after, you know? And so I, I was having those conversations and, and, and it was really, people were responding to it as well. You know, I don't know if anybody starts a podcast thinking that it's going to be really successful, but I know I didn't. I thought I'd have a few hundred listeners and I'd mostly be talking to my friends and that's not what happened at all. It did, it did really, really well. And, and it was helpful for me. It helped keep me sober. It helped me accountable stay accountable. It helped me keep talking about recovery. And I needed that in the beginning that really, again, that just really fed me. And, and it really, the being able to help people let go of alcohol is almost a drug in itself. The feeling that satisfaction of knowing that connecting with somebody's darkest parts of them was able to 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 lighten up their world that's an incredible feeling and when you when you learn how to not drink you're excited to share that with other people so i got to do that all the time um i met some really amazing recovery friends uh my friend chris Mar chris marshall that owns sands bar he's like my brother i met him doing that podcast we did a really fantastic event in 2019 called sober by southwest at south by southwest in austin it was a day-long, you know, music festival that was all sober. It was awesome. So I got to do really fun things like that. I did a retreat. And uh, and so the podcast was a really, ended up being a really core part of my recovery as well. Mm -hmm. And um, at the same time, I, again, I was a business owner. And um, I started to, as I had more and more time under my belt, started to analyze my life and what I was doing with my life and decided to make a total career change, which was a really difficult decision to make. I had a business partner to break up with. I had a business to close. I had employees. So you learn those, when you learn how to not drink, you learn who that other person is without alcohol. And it turns out that other person was really tired of cooking for a living and mm -hmm. was tired of the kitchen life and was tired of those hours. And I had to quit drinking to figure that out. And that was it, closing a business like that just it was almost as hard <laughs> as getting wow. sober so I was I was making major life changes while I was getting sober you know sometimes it's, it, sometimes people quit drinking and go back to their life and everything stays the same sometimes you do an about face and everything changes and that was that was my story so it was it was just exciting there was a lot of change happening for a long time and, um, and I stopped doing the podcast about a year ago because I was tired of changes. <laughs> <laughs> right. I needed, I needed, I needed to drop something. Um, yeah. I needed to, um, take the focus back to me. The podcast had become really big. I had a really big platform. I had a lot of emails and DMS and, and, and people that were very expectant, uh, mm. from me. And I started, um, I needed that time back to myself to focus on myself and just, just, pull the plug on it. And, mm -hmm. uh, and it was, and I felt really good about that too. That was a, that was the right move for me. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm curious, what, what do you think the most challenging part of the podcast was, was it kind of towards the end, just feeling that, I don't know, I don't want to say pressure, but feeling like people were depending on you, like you had to show up. Was that one of the challenges or? That, that was one of them. Yeah. Um, you know, one of the things that I told people early on is that you can't idolize people as your recovery. You know, I am not a recovery uh, plan. You know, Trisha is not your recovery. My podcast, all I'm doing is facilitating other people's stories through 
a microphone so that the world can hear them. I never shared my own story on my podcast ever. You know, you can go to other podcasts and hear it, but, but it, I never wanted it to be about me. And people wanted it to be about me. They wanted to know who Trisha was. And I am a very, very private person. Yeah. And um, the DMs that, you know, it's like people are, uh, get, there's a, I guess uh, there's an entitlement that people have. They feel entitled to you. And the messages that I got just seemed to be more and more demanding, hmm. um, uh, more and more just out of line. Um, yeah. You know, people saying that they were, mad that I was making money off of them um, or telling me that, you know, harm reduction is not recovery and I should be talking about that. You know, one of the things I did was I talked about all kinds of recovery. There are 8 billion people on this planet. We can't mm -hmm. all be the same, right? So, yeah. so if, if it was recovery, I talked about it and that ruffled a lot of people's feathers. Um, I used my platform to talk about, um, uh, racism in 2020. I, I used it to talk about the inequities in the world of recovery and rehab. And uh, again, ruffled pe people get mad. And for a perfectionist like me, you know, you, you, that, that, that trait doesn't go away right away. Right. It, um, it upset me, you know, it really, it was, it was hard, uh, especially when it came from just such a, a big mass of people. And I'm, I, I was not strong enough to not let that bother me. Mm -hmm. And that wasn't the decision of why I stopped. It was really more about just me needing the time back. But um, yeah, that, that was a part of it that I didn't expect and just wasn't great at handling, mm -mm. unfortunately. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, that's a lot. That's hard because <laughs> you're, you're, you're a person who, I mean, and I'm, I'm, I feel like you and I are very much the same in that we love to help. We love to serve. I mean, we were in the restaurant industry, you know, you're, you're helping people, you're serving them. And, you know, you, you start this really amazing podcast that is like you said, you know, it's just all it's I wanted to do was help stories. people. All yeah. I want to do is help. And yep. unfortunately, you know, with that comes people that feel like they are entitled, like you said, and, you know, can share whatever they want. And it, it's, it is hard because we'd like to sit there and be like, Oh, it doesn't matter. Like it won't hurt me that review or that message, but no, it hurts. It hurts. It hurts. It does. It does. It does. And I don't know how real, like people that are actually famous, I don't know how they do it. Ugh, no. <laughs> Cause I was, I'm like, I don't even register on the fame scale and like, it was too much for me. So yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh my goodness. Well, I just have a couple more questions about the podcast and then yeah. we'll kind of switch switch to the good not that this yeah. isn't good but no, um were there any I'm curious specific guests that had just a really like unique or memorable impact on your journey or that really just stand out two really important episodes were actually um you were one of them and Jennifer sober sis was the other one and and that topic was mommy wine culture um gray area drinking and mommy wine culture I kind of uh always kind of lumped those in together. Um, my audience really responded to that topic because that was something I learned early on was that like, oh, it's not just like you're an alcoholic or you're a normal drinker. There's a whole spectrum of people that just don't have healthy relationships with alcohol. And the more I explored that, the more people responded to it. And, and I don't have kids. So uh, it was helpful for me to have moms come on and talk about their experience with motherhood and, and, and that, that weird spectrum of, of alcohol abuse. 
so yeah, you're not just, I'm not saying this just because you're having me on I your show. I almost said that. I was like, you did not need to say my name. <laughs> yeah, it just so happened though, that those are very two critical topics. And they were something that there was a lot of exploration about in the years that I was, that I was actively publicly recovering. Uh, so it was really neat to kind of help forward that, that conversation. Um, Josh Corda was one of my favorites. He is the host of Dharma Punks. It's a podcast I recommend for anybody. It's it, it kind of where Buddhism and and uh, psychology and especially family systems where that kind of intersects. He has so much wisdom to share. So having him on the show was like, that was like a celebrity moment for me. Um, and, uh, you know, I met some great friends on, like I said, Chris from Sandsbar. I had him on a couple of times. Um, those were, those are some highlights that my COVID brain can pick out right now, at least. Yeah. yeah. I love it. <laughs> well, and you, those two topics too. I mean, that, that is my passion right there is just talking about the mommy wine culture and the gray area drinking, partially because that's what I identified as, you know, I, I feel like I fit that category speaking with Jolene Park and following her and all that she talks about. Mm -hmm. I mean, that is just, that's, that's so much of where we were, you know, like mm -hmm. we knew something wasn't right, but we weren't under a bridge, you know, like we exactly. didn't, we didn't yeah. feel like that on the outside, it looked bad. Yeah. Oh my God. That stigma. I wrestled with that for years, mm -hmm. for years. And that's why I couldn't just admit that it was a problem because I was like, but wait, I'm doing fine. This, right. I look great from the outside, but what's weird. And, and this is something I didn't say earlier in my story, but it's, it's really important that people hear this right now. It's not a, it's not about how much you drink. It's about how much you think about drinking how much are you planning your, around your drinking? How much are you planning for your hangovers? How, you know, you might have a rule where you're not going to start drinking until five o'clock, but how long are you waiting to till five o'clock? At what point does that timer turn on in your head? Those are the things you want to pay attention to. It doesn't matter if you drink alone or if you drink with somebody else. It doesn't matter if you have a glass of wine or if you have a bottle of vodka every day. How much are you thinking about it? That's what you want to pay attention to. And, and that's what matters. It doesn't matter what anyone tells you about, you know, if they think that your drinking is fine, or if they think you drink too much, it, it's it, listen to your gut. Is this thing serving you anymore? Or is it taking? Is it just taking things away? Ask yourselves those questions and, and write it down too. sometimes it helps when you write it down just to get it out of your head. Um, I don't remember what got me started on this sentence. I'm sorry, COVID. <laughs> No, I mean, it's such a good reminder because when those rules start popping up or, mm -hmm. you know, like you said, a set time, then it kind of makes you think about it. Why do I have to have time? Why mm -hmm. am I making this boundary around, you know, this, this thing? Yeah. And why do I feel like I have to have it? Yeah. Why am I time blocking that into my day? Like, oh, that is the time I will start. Yeah. And how much fun are you having with it too? Because mm -hmm. if your fun is just that first 45 minutes and then it gets a little wacky and then you mm -hmm. black out and then you spend the next 18 hours recovering from that, was it worth that first 45 minutes to an hour? Like, is that what you're craving? Because the, the 18 hour commitment after that is what I'm more concerned about. Like that's, what's really like sucking your life away. Oh, man, oh man. So good. So it's been, good. It's been a while. Hour. Oh my it's, gosh. It's been a while since I've talked about this. So <laughs> it's like riding a riding a bike, right? <laughs> riding a bike. All right. So the show ended. Mm -hmm. I remember the day that I listened to it. I was out on a 
well, I'm going to call it a wog because it was supposed to be a jog and then I ended up walking. But I remember just feeling heartbroken. And that might have been a little bit of, you know, your entitled listener like, no, Trisha I get can't it. leave. And I know you've heard this, but, you know, I remember in that last episode was when um, you mentioned something about, hey, if you're thinking about starting a podcast, start it. And then I just couldn't stop thinking about it. So that's kind of where mine started. Cause then I felt when you left, there was this hole and thank God that your, your episodes are still available. Um, but I do remember feeling like, no, 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 we still need someone to focus on the good. We need to share these stories. And so I I'm just going to say, thank you for planting that seed in my head, um, to encourage You're doing- me to go for it. You're doing a great job, by the way. Um, Thank you. And I'm not just saying this because because I like you as a human and because I'm because <laughs> you're interviewing me on your show. Um, thank you for picking up where I left off. And yes, if anyone wants to start a podcast, I actually did a free webinar on how to do it. It's on my website, recoveryhappyhour.com. If you want to start a podcast, go start a podcast. If you do help it. one person, that's awesome. If you only do it for one episode, that's awesome. Do whatever right. you want to do. Like there's no rules. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, but yeah, there were, there were some sad people. I didn't, I didn't tell anyone. I just, just ended it and told everybody why, and then just left it behind. So I got, there were a lot of sad people. Um, But one of the things that I talked about was that it, 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 it took a lot of time away from me. I had made a career change. Um, You know, the pandemic started, I think we were about a year and a half into the pandemic at that point. Um, I was about to get married. You know, I eloped with my husband, you know, a few months after that, a lot of, I just wanted to focus on me and mm-hmm. just not worry about anyone else. And, um, and that was great because I was able to go back to just, I just, I stopped, you know, posting on Instagram and I just got really invested in my own life and was a little more selfish than I had been. And I started to do some really great work with my therapist last year to uncover essentially what is just complex PTSD. Mm. And that is when the rubber really hit the road in, in my own personal recovery. And complex PTSD is different than traditional PTSD. Um, sometimes when you're traumatized by a major life event, it's you know a car accident or you know an assault or something you know terrible. Uh, complex that that would be like picking up a big giant rock, mm-hmm. right? Or, or a big giant rock falling on you. Complex PTSD would be like small rocks over time, the same small rock hitting you over the course of like 20 years. And so it's a different way of having to work through it. And once I figured out that that's what we needed to work on, or once my therapist figured that out, uh, I was able to do some of the hardest work I've ever done. And thank God, because the last six months have been, you know, uh, my husband had cancer, my dog had a stroke, you know, a couple of family members died. I had hip surgery. Like it, it has been one thing after another, after another. And the great thing is, is that I don't have to drink over that anymore. I have the tools to know how to get through that and not have to, you know, pound three martinis once I get that scary phone call from a doctor. Right. And that's where recovery, recovery isn't talking on Instagram about recovery and posting memes. Recovery is, is living that life and doing it and, and, and not having like, you're just letting it work. 
and you're not having to talk about it and narrate it all the time. You're just doing the work and you're living it. And thank God, thank God I haven't drank in almost six years because I don't know how I would have gotten through the last six months if I was hungover or if I was constantly thinking about drinking. It would have been miserable. And I'm still here. And this is life. And life is hard. And it is beautiful. And it is scary. And it is fun. And it is sad. And it is joyous. And you have to feel all of it. You have to feel all of it. Because God gave us all these feelings for a reason. And they're not scary. And they're usually temporary. That's not true. They are scary, <laughs> but they are usually temporary. You know, when you start crying, I know it's tempting to think that you're going to cry until you die. You know, that like someday you're just going to be an old person walking down the street, still bawling your eyes out and everyone's going, why is that woman still crying? It's not going to be like that. Everything is temporary and and you're stronger than you think you are. And, mm-hmm. uh, and anybody can do this, but you have to... Um, you have to understand that it's okay to, to ask for help and it's okay to not, to not know how to do it. You know, just the, yeah. the more you admit, you don't know what the fuck you're doing, the easier life is. <laughs> that was so true. <laughs> it's like, I need that on a bumper sticker, <laughs> but, but then I wouldn't see it. I need it like on my mirror. Yeah. Um, <laughs> oh man. So many good nuggets right there. And I think the most important thing was, you know, just stepping out of the spotlight. You know, like knowing that you're not thriving in recovery, like I don't want to say the wrong thing, but I mean, it's the behind the scenes stuff, you know, it's the stuff off the stage. It's being able to, you know, go for a run and do blah, 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 and not feel obligated to post about it so that you can get that recognition and that value. You know, that's exactly what it is. You are, you are putting brilliant words to what that thought is. That's what it is. Yeah. There was just like scribbles in my head trying to get that. (laughs) No, it's true. (laughs) No, it's like there, there is a social media world of recovery that you and I both are a part of, or that I was a part of. And and it is, it's, it's super valuable sometimes Mm -hmm. when you need it for Mm -hmm. inspiration. It's also really easy to get, to get sucked into and to right. think that that the narration part of it is the recovery and it's not mm-hmm. you know my aunt that bless her that just passed away the last conversation we had uh, she had she had terrible cancer she was in a lot of pain and i said i said what do you need you know how can i help you right now and she goes honestly i don't need the big grandiose stuff i have people i need somebody to help me get up and go to the bathroom you know i don't need like the flowers and the big dinner like it is the it is the the menial, not glamorous stuff that I yeah. need. And, and that's kind of what I needed to get back to in recovery yeah. was the dirty work and to not have, again, I say it again, but it just, it's, it's so where I am to, to not have to explain that or narrate it to anybody. Um, because at the end of the day, me not drinking is my priority. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Ah. Oh. I'm looking at my notes. I think we, we did it all. We did, did we? it all. I think, I mean, it's just, it's, it's such a healthy reminder, you know, that at the end of the day, you have to be with you and you have to do it for you, you know? And yeah. I think you nailed that where it's like, I, I like that you pointed out, you know, that social media, that sober community, it can help. But at mm-hmm. the end of the day, you have to do the work, you know, you can't mm-hmm. depend on, you know, posting a few quotes or, you know, just really 
you yeah. understand what I'm saying? Like, Absolutely. You, know, you can't, you gotta always, like you said, you know, you had to step away and focus on you. Mm-hmm. The podcast was a beautiful chapter in your recovery. It I'm was assuming, um, but it was fun. Mm-hmm. There was a certain point where it's like, okay, I can't do it. I need to switch. Yeah, so. it was, it was, uh, you know, it got to a point with the podcast. I think when I ended the podcast, it was in like the top 50 of ment- all mental health podcasts on iTunes, on Apple. Pod- it was just nuts. I was like, really? Like, I that didn't even amazing. know that. <laughs> I, did- I didn't even know that. When it- I was just like, I was so clueless about some of the. I knew my download numbers, but I just wasn't paying attention to some I of I rank really high in Trinidad. <laughs> oh, hey. <laughs> you know what, though? How amazing is that? That there's somebody in Trinidad listening to you share these stories like how cool is that that somebody you'll never meet that far away or maybe you will meet them I don't know that they're that they're being helped isn't that amazing and that's the thing I don't I'm like you I don't do it for the numbers I don't do it for the oh just you know nothing Mm -hmm. none of that Mm -hmm. but there is one person that's listening Mm-hmm. Maybe in Trinidad. Hello, Trinidad. <laughs> Hi, Trinidad. Hey. That is, that is a really cool feeling. It know? is. It is. And and it got um, you know, there are people that that do what I did full time. I, I certainly could have I got to that point where I was I was working a full-time career, but I was also doing this podcast recovery thing kind of full time and I needed to make a choice. And I chose my other life so that I yeah. could just keep recovery to myself. And uh and not everybody is in that, like, that's a, some people would kill to be in that position to be like, are you mean, like, you mean I could do this for a living? And it's just not my, that's not what I wanted to do, but I encourage everybody to try it if that's what they want to do, but, exactly. but don't, yeah, but don't make it about the validation and don't make it about the audience and don't make it about what's performative, you know, make it about what is helping you live a better life and what keeps you in service to help other people. But at the end of the day, you got to come first in this process and that's okay. You know, that's not selfish. Sometimes that's life or death. And uh, you make your own rules. You find the joy in this. You get to do whatever the hell you want to do in recovery. There are no laws, no matter mm-hmm. what. There's no right or wrong way, no matter what somebody tries to tell you. No, just <laughs> you, smile and walk away. <laughs> smile and nod. <laughs> smile and nod. And yeah, just do what you need to do. You know you best. Uh. Okay. Well, I have two more questions. Um, number one, what's next? Now I know you're a private person, so do not feel obligated to share anything, but do you see anything, any, any projects, any goals, any, anything it could be, you know, just living, but what's what's next on your radar? I mean, I'd really like to go on a vacation and stop using, (laughs) stop using my PTO for like surgeries and funerals. Amen. (laughs) Amen. That's a goal. Uh, (laughs) um, No, you know, I just, um, what's a goal right now? Right now it's still, everything is still kind of one day at a time. I'm just in the middle of a lot. Uh, I love, I love what I do for a living. I, I work for, um, a company that has a kind of a startup vibe. So I love what we're building and I, I'm really focused on that, which I, I, I'm happy about that. I'm trying, you know, I, it's funny yesterday I was just um, cleaning out a closet and I found a manila envelope with all of the reviews from a retreat that I had in mm. 20, early 2020 called beyond the bottle. And I had about 
I don't know, 30, 40 people flew into Dallas, Texas, and we did a weekend retreat. And it was awesome. And I got little reviews from everybody there to rank it and, and give their feedback. And I never looked at them and I found them yesterday. And I was like, oh, that's right. People really like this. So I, maybe mm-hmm. someday if I feel like I want to do it, I might have another retreat. Um, that's a very iffy someday yeah. for anyone who's listening. Don't get that's not a promise. <laughs> but, you know, I think about it. Um, so, you know, maybe someday, but really, I'm just I'm, I'm just still kind of going back to basics and enjoying, um, you know, my life with my listeners will know uh, man friend is now husband friend. Mm-hmm. So I'm enjoying my life with husband friend and just trying to, to just to kind of simplify and, and keep keep taking things away right now yeah. and just do, keep going back to one day at a time. And, uh, and I like that at the moment. I think that's, I think that's my only goal. And also yeah. to keep, continue to use less social media. Always. Right? <laughs> uh, somebody said it recently. I can't remember if it was Jolene when I talked to her, but it was that social media started feeling like day drinking. Ooh, that's right? a good, I right. like kind that. of a good analogy where it's like a waste. wasted time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's true. And it, and it's also addictive too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. A waste mm-hmm. of time. That's addictive. I love that. That's, mm-hmm. that's good. And also no, no shame to anybody who loves social media. You do, do what you need to do, but you know, mm-hmm. just be mindful of, of your feelings about it and, um, and how it's making you feel when you're exactly. done. And, um, you know, and, and, yeah, I'm going to end that sentence right there. <laughs> that sounded good. <laughs> All right. Here's my last one. So I know you've had plenty of inspirational pieces in our chat so far. Um, but, you know, to the one person or many that are listening right now and are feeling inspired to make a change, what advice can you give them? You know, it's really hard not to get emotional when I think about that because it's been a while since I thought about what it feels like to be in that spot because uh, it sucks. It's mm-hmm. scary and it's dark and it's lonely. And it makes me still makes me choked up almost six years later because it's, it's just the worst feeling. You feel so alone and hopeless and whoever is listening, I want you to know that you are not alone. And that's the advice that every person on my show, 135 episodes, every person said the same thing. You're not alone but you have to tell somebody you got to speak up and just say, Hey, I need help. And whether that's a stranger on Instagram, you know, somebody you listen to, uh, somebody you're inspired by, you know, it just, if that's your neighbor, you know, if that's your mom, if that's whoever, even if they're not the person who knows how to help you, they probably know somebody who does. And that's a great start. So just know that you're not alone. You're stronger than you think you are. Uh, there is life without alcohol. It's actually really fun. It's a lot more fun than you think. Um, and then this version of you is not the version that you will be in a year after you quit drinking. There are so many new yous to be born and get excited about that. You know, just keep focusing on the new you that wants to be born or the old you that needs to be reborn. Um, They're still there inside of you. You can still find that person. You still are that person and, uh, and you can do it. I think I got choked up too. (laughs) It's it's just, it's emotional when you think about who you were before too, and how there are millions in that same boat. Yeah. 
it's doing those same things. Anybody who's been through this knows what it feels like. And there are a lot of people who have been through this. So trust me, it's not hard to find somebody to go to. A lot of people don't have healthy relationships with alcohol. That's probably more the norm than it, than not. So yeah, speak up. Yeah. Speak up. But there's lots of people here for you. I'm one of them. Jess, I know you're one of them. There's a whole world of help out there. Amen. All right, my friend. Well, where can people find you? They, your website is still there. The episodes yeah. are still there. They yeah, can access yes. all of it, right? Yes. So Recovery Happy Hour, you can still access that website. You can still uh, access all the podcast episodes on most podcast platforms. Um, and there's still a ton of resources on my website, too. Uh, I believe I'm trying to. It's been so long since I've checked it. I think it's just like a get help tab or something. Okay. And there's tons of like coaches and nonprofits and books and podcasts on there. And that's the cool thing about since I've gotten sober, there's so much more available. There are uh, just a hundred times more podcasts. Coaching is a thing. That wasn't a thing when I started, you <laughs> right? know, like if it was, I probably would have tried it. Yeah. So yeah, it, it's all on there. There's, there's so many different ways of doing this. So um, that's all still available for free to the public. <laughs> we love free. We love all free. Right. Well, I will include all of that in the show notes. Um, thank you. Thank you yeah, so much for taking the time. I feel honored that I was able to pull Bono from the cave and <laughs> <laughs> and share you with the world again. Hey, so yeah. it's an bon- honor. It's my pleasure. Bono has a real stopped up nose and needs to put on a bra. So, <laughs> <laughs> All right, my friend. We'll have a fabulous day. And, and thank, thank you. you again. Thanks for having me, Jess. If you'd like to learn more about the show or make a donation, you can head over to decidedlydry.com. If you enjoy the show, the best way to support it is to subscribe and to leave an awesome rating or review over on Apple Podcasts. It's sure been a treat spending this time with you. And just remember, if the only thing you did today was stay sober, you are winning. I'll see you next time.